Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be worshiping with you on this beautiful day on Pi Day. Everybody uh, go eat pie today. It's Pi Day. I once talked with a person who was in spiritual direction who was recounting to me a uh, powerful encounter that they had with God while they were outdoors. He had traveled to this beautiful mountain and was hiking up a trail, and at one point in time he paused, surveyed all that was around him, all the beauty that lay before him, and he was aware of God's presence on that mountain with him. It felt like God was so near to him while he stood in the midst of all of the beauty and the beautiful scenery. And this week, I was enjoying the beautiful weather that we've been having, and I went for a walk uh, on my own, and then later with my kids through this little nature preserve that is not too far from my house. And, uh, and I had a moment like this, and I was very aware of God's nearness to me in uh, this beautiful outdoor space. And as I read our passage for today, I am aware of the way that we can go to these spaces and experience God in physical locations. And I'm wondering if, as you reflect on your life, and you think back on some experiences or encounters with God, if there are specific places that have been for you kind of holy or sacred ground. Maybe it's been an outdoor experience, like you've been hiking up a mountain, or maybe it's happened to you while you've been surfing, sitting on a wave in the ocean or, or looking out over the ocean or a beautiful lake from, from a dock. And I'm wondering where, or as you think back in your memory, what places have been holy ground for you? Or if I were to ask you right now, you know, if you encounter some terrible news and you need to pray and you need to be near to God, where do you go to meet with God, what spot in your house, what, what space do you go sit at outside where you know you will encounter God's presence? There's probably a number of spaces that come to mind. Maybe there are faraway places like I talked to another person and they talked about visiting an ancient cathedral in Europe and, and just walking in the door and being overwhelmed by the beauty of that space. Another person shared with me how they went uh, to the Holy Land and just walking, following a guide and walking the, the steps where they're retracing Jesus' ministry and feeling like I'm in the same place where Jesus taught His disciples. That has become a holy spot for them and they've immediately become aware of God's presence around them. For others of you, maybe it's in your home, maybe you go into your sunroom or you have a prayer chair where you sit and pray. Well, for the Jewish people of Jesus' day, the space or the spot that they would go, the, the place that was in, imbued with God's presence was the temple. It was supposed to be representative of holy ground. It was the place that people went. It was sacred. It was, it was seen as the spot where heaven and earth intersected. The physical location of God's earthly dwelling. When you read through the Old Testament, there's a place where 
Moses is describing all the ways that the Israelites are supposed to construct the then tabernacle, which would then later be the, the kind of the model for the temple that was to be built. And what is clear as you read through this is that the way that the temple, the tabernacle first and then the temple, was constructed was meant to be a mere representation of heaven. And so here is this physical space that is being set aside to be built and reflecting exactly how heaven is built. It's supposed to be so holy that it it mirrors the heavenly reality. In heaven, there are these increasing layers of intimacy with God that one can traverse. And the same is true about the temple. There were these layers from the outer courts to then the next round of rooms to the next inner rooms to the next inner rooms, all kind of building in culmination towards God's presence, which was said to reside at this central spot called the Holy of Holies. And this was seen as the space where God's presence dwelt on earth. And so if you wanted to go to a holy place where you could meet with God, you would go to the temple. And then there was this entire system built up around the temple to help people do this, to help them come in through the outer courts, first from their lives, then enter into the outer courts, and then transition through these rooms, going and moving towards the Holy of Holies. There was a priestly class. There was this system of sacrifices. There was feasts and festivals. There was a way to to make offerings to God if you were grateful. And there was a way to, to make a sacrifice if you needed to atone for sin. And so the temple was meant to provide both this physical place for God and this way to draw near to God in this physical sense. So when you wanted to, to, to be near God, you could go to a place and you could do some things and you could draw near to God. And so it was obviously massively important to the ancient Israelites. It was a, a, a source of nationalistic pride because this is the place that represents God's presence with us. And it's also incredibly sacred because this is the place where we can go to meet with God where God dwells here on earth. And so when you read about Jesus' actions in this passage that Chris read for us, you can imagine how shocking his violence and his anger would have been for the people who were there. Overturning tables, coins going scattering, clank, clank, clank on the ground. Making a whip and driving the animals from the temple. He's doing something dramatic. He's doing something with anger and indignation. And if we see Jesus as the prophet that I think he wants us to see him as, then this act is this dramatic enactment of a message from God like the Old Testament prophets before him would often do, where they would act out messages from God. Jesus is acting out a message to God. And what he is doing by overturning the money tables, driving out the sheep, is he's essentially disrupting the sacrificial system and disrupting the entire process of the temple so that sacrifices would have come to a screeching halt. 
I would have to shut it down, get people out, clean things up, and then reestablish order. But for a, a brief time, Jesus put an end to the temple. And so he's prophetically passing judgment on the temple. He's saying that the, the temple is failing at its purpose to be this holy, sacred spot where people can go to meet with God. And it's not just that the temple is corrupt. He's not saying, well, this one is bad, and what we really need is a, a better temple that we can go build down the street with a better priestly class or, or better animals or a, a prettier building. His fundamental judgment upon the temple is not that the temple is not good enough, it's that it's not doing what it's meant to do, which is point people to the real temple. And this comes out in his interaction with the Pharisees, where he says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again. And then by this, he meant his own body. So what's happening in this passage is not that Jesus is coming in and saying, you know, I'm all for the temple, but you need just a little bit of rehabilitation or, or maybe a, a temple replacement. You've got to go down the street and build a new temple or you've got to fix this temple up. Jesus is doing something much more radical in this passage. He's coming into the temple and he's saying, God doesn't dwell here. God doesn't live in a building God doesn't dwell in any temple made by human hands. God dwells in the human heart. This is his temple. He's saying, my body is the temple. And this isn't just about Jesus. This is the core, one of the core teachings that Jesus is trying to communicate is that God is near to each person. So when he's acting out this scene of judgment in this physical building of a temple, it's because he wants people to understand you are the temple. God dwells in you. This is part of all of his teaching. It's clear, especially in this passage. And then later on, Paul makes this explicitly clear in his letters. In 1 Corinthians 3, he writes this. Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you. And this is the simple truth that is at the heart of what Jesus is doing. There's this rage at the way the temple, which is supposed to aid people in discovering this reality that God dwells within them, is doing the exact opposite. Instead of helping people draw near to God, the temple is making people feel more separate from God. The Israelites had taken this building and turned it into something that was more sacred than the people for which the temple was supposed to serve. All the people were, were coming to the temp temple and intuiting this message that they're not worthy of God and that there are all these walls and rooms that they weren't allowed to traverse. Maybe some of the priests were, but they weren't. All these walls and rooms that were separating them from God. There was foreign exchange currency that was separating them from God. There was inadequate animal offerings that were separating them from God. And you have to pay money and go through these rituals in order to access God. 
And only if these legitimate gatekeepers say that you do it adequately enough. And so Jesus is furious about this because the whole purpose of the temple to be this sacred place on earth that people can go to meet with the Lord is functioning in the exact opposite purpose of what it's, of what it's supposed to do. It's keeping people from God instead of helping them draw near to God. The purpose of the temple is not to make people feel far away and separate God, but to allow a way for them to draw near and discover God. To awaken people to God's eminence, not to make them feel more separated from God. And this is what Jesus means when in other gospel accounts he names that the purpose is to be a house of prayer. In the Matthew version of this, in Matthew 21, Jesus says this, Jesus entered the temples and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So the purpose of the temple is to help people to pray. It's meant to be this place where people can go and discover through this structure of the physical temple from ancient Israel that there's mirroring some heavenly reality that doesn't exist out there, up in the sky in heaven, but rather in here in this temple. The physical temple represents God's heavenly dwelling place. And what Jesus is communicating here is that the the real dwelling place with God is in the human heart. So the model of this temple is not some distant, faraway heaven, but a very near reality within us. You and I go to the temple in order to discover how we can enter into prayer and discover God dwelling within us. And there are outer courts and a series of inner rooms leading to the center of the temple in the same way that there's sort of an external life that you and I live in, and then increasing layers of inner awareness of God's presence within us. And the purpose of drawing near to God in the temple is to help us traverse the temple rooms in the same way that we traverse this act of prayer to God who dwells at the center of our being. One of my favorite authors is a woman named Teresa of Avila, and she's a 16th century mystic, and she was asked by church leaders to describe you know, what's your spiritual life like? Uh, if somebody wants to get close and intimate with God, what can they do? Or what is that experience like? And they're essentially like, they look at her and go, wow, you have an incredibly rich spiritual life. Can you write about that and tell us um, how other people can have that? And so she prayed, like, what's a good image that I could use? And this is basically the image that she comes up with. That your inner life and my inner life is a temple. It is the dwelling place of God. And she wants to contextualize it to her contemporary audience, so so she uses the language of um, interior castle. It's maybe even better to think of it as like interior estate, because it's like there's this whole world that includes 
you know, being outdoors, like a, it's just a massive property where you can go and explore the presence of God dwelling inside of you. In the same way that the temple was this physical structure that was supposed to, to represent our life of prayer, it's supposed to be a house of prayer where we go and it helps us enter into our inner reality of God dwelling within us. So she's describing that same thing by using the same metaphor that inside of you and inside of me in our inner life, it's like this castle. And she had, there's this great quote that I've shared before, but I want to share again because it's so beautiful in describing what this is, how she experiences it. She writes this, There is a secret place, a radiant sanctuary, as real as your own kitchen, more real than that. Constructed of the purest elements, overflowing with the 10,000 beautiful things, worlds within worlds, forests, rivers, velvet coverlets thrown over feather beds, fountains bubbling beneath a canopy of stars, bountiful forests, universal libraries, a wine cellar offering an intoxication so sweet you'll never be sober again. A clarity so complete you will never again forget. This magnificent refuge is inside of you. Enter. Shatter the darkness that shrouds the doorway. Believe the incredible truth that the Beloved has chosen for His dwelling place, the core of your own being, because that is the single most beautiful place in all of creation. What she is defining is the same thing that Jesus is trying to get across to people. And it's the thing that gets him so furious about what is happening in the temple. The temple is supposed to be, the physical temple is supposed to be a place of prayer, a place that helps us enter our inner temple, this inner sanctuary with God. So the question then for you and me is how do we enter this temple? What places do we go to to help us enter the temple that is within? This is the question that the physical temple was supposed to answer for the ancient Israelites. Begin in this outer court and then you traverse in. But this is the same thing. Whenever you go, when I asked at the beginning of the sermon, where do you go or where have you gone in your life that feels like holy ground, the same dynamic is at work. When you stand on top of a mountain and you feel that God is close by or when you walk around the Holy Land or visit a cathedral or, or, or sit in the sanctuary of a church and it feels like God is near, when you sit in your prayer chair, the same dynamic is happening. There's something about that spot that is helping you enter your inner temple, your inner sanctuary within. And each of these experiences do that because they help us move from the outer courts towards the Holy of Holies. They, they help us transcend from the outside to the inside. There is a diminution of the self that occurs in these spots. A smallification of who we are it's not shame-based, but it helps put it in perspective who we are 
and then enter into connection with God. So like when you're on top of a mountain and you're overwhelmed by the, the view, how much land you can see, there's this sense of how small you are in this earth and how vast and beautiful the world is outside of you know, the external things that you're paying attention to on a normal day-to-day -day basis. And in that moment, this perspective happens and it feels holy. It helps you move from the outside in. Or when you walk around the Holy Land or maybe some other historical site, there's this similar experience of feeling small because you see yourself on the timeline of history. This small, you and I, this small temporary moment that we exist. And in that sense, there's this small, again, this smallification of our, our, that external world that helps us enter deeper in to God's presence with us affirming us in the now and in the present, in the midst of this broader history of so many souls. Or when you and I slow down and simply sit still in silence in our prayer chair, there is this letting go of all the hustle and bustle and the everyday worries and just being present to God's love for us right here, right now. Or as you read Scripture, same thing. This eternal truth speaking to you right here, right now. Letting go of all of our petty worries and egocentric desires. These physical places do the same thing that the temple did, or was supposed to do. Help us enter into our own interior temple by transversing from the outer courts into deeper intimacy with God who dwells within. Help us just like the smallification happens. Not, again, a, a shame-based smallification. It's just like a letting go. Like I'm just letting go of all the self-centered ways of being, and I can enter in to this center where God dwells, where God's love is. And this is how we enter our interior temple, and this is a way that spaces, physical, holy spaces, can help us to do that. Whenever we are in a space that helps us let go of stuff that's happening in the outer courts, the stuff that is attachments to the false self like power, control, image, vanity, greed, pride, security, status, and so much more. When we're in a space that helps us let go of those things, then we're entering deeper in to the center where God dwells in love. True, holy places help us do that. We can go there, and then it aids us in this process of entering into prayer and going into our own inner temple. One of my favorite uh, authors put it um, really more casually in, in, contemporary, in contemporary language for me. He says it this way. The chief thing that separates us from God is the thought that we are separated from God. And I think this is what Jesus, the, the, the core of his rage in the temple is. The very place that's supposed to be a house of prayer, a house that awakens us to God's nearness within, has become the very thing that is making people feel separated from God. A good, holy place aids us 
and becoming aware that God is near. So what is that place for you? Where do you go to become aware of God's presence with you? Back to that beginning question. Where would you go? If I were to say, if, some, if you got some bad news and you needed to pray right now, where would you go to meet with God? We recognize that these physical spaces, it's not like God is in this room and not this room or in this piece of land but not this piece of land, but that there is something about these places that help us become aware of God within. There are structures that invite prayer, that are houses of prayer for us, which means allow us to enter in to God's presence dwelling within us. It's also, I think, important for us to see other people in the same way. So in the same way that a physical location can be a holy place that helps us enter into prayer, people can be physical locations, physical presences, physical beings that help us become aware of God's presence within us. People are holy places. They are temples themselves. And being in relationship with people can remind us God dwells within us. So if you're worshiping with somebody right now, turn to them and look at them and see them for what they are, a temple. This person is a temple of God. If it's not too uncomfortable for you to turn to the person sitting next to you on the couch, you can say to them, you are God's temple. God's Spirit dwells in you. Throughout your day today or throughout this coming week, when you're interacting with people, remind, pull this memory back to you. And you look at this person and say, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is in that person. Maybe when you're mad at your spouse, look at them in wonder and remember, God is alive in them. God is speaking to him or speaking to her. When you're worn out by your kids, remember that God is in this person doing something to form and grow this child in whatever stage of development that they're in. They are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When a friend or coworker wrongs you, remember that God dwells in them too. Be honorable to them if you want to speak to them about some hurt you have or wrong they've done. Remembering that God lives within each of us transforms the way that we interact. And then people and places that have people in them, can, all of these places can become little temples for us that help us become aware of God's presence here with us now. And this is obviously, you know, this is the most obvious analogy then is just the church. The church does a lot of things, but I think fundamentally what Jesus is saying about the temple is true for the church as well. The first calling of the church is to be a house of prayer. And that's not to say that we all have to be sitting around like saying intercessory prayers for one another, but it's to say that fundamentally 
the church should help people enter into our own inner temple. Or to put it in the language of the chief thing that separates us from God's thought that we are separated, to put it in that language, the church should be all about helping people become aware that God is near. The church should not be about the business of making people feel separated from God. It's about the business of awakening people to the fact that God is so near. So when you're entering into church services or entering into church community, this awareness is growing within you that God dwells in me and God dwells in the people around me. So throughout Lent, we're closing our sermons with a question. And so the question then, and so basically, if you haven't been here, what we're doing is we're going to put a question up on the screen. Jamie will come up and play, pray, uh, play. And during that time, you can just prayerfully reflect on the question uh, in silence. Or if you're worshiping with other people, you can have conversation with them as well. And so the question that I want you to pay attention to, or to, to consider is, what helps you pay attention to God's presence within you? Is it a place? Is there a person? Is there some practice that reminds you of this? Where do you go? And then what gets in the way? What makes you feel like you're separated from God? Well, consider these in prayer, and if you want, you can discuss with the people you're worshiping with.